Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today, my guest is Melissa of the Good Evening Kitties podcast. I had her on the show tonight to talk about Jacob's Wife. Jacob's Wife is a film currently streaming on Shudder. It's an American horror film that was directed by Travis Stevens and stars Barbara Crampton in what I see as a career best performance, Larry Fessenden and Bonnie Ahrens. I hope you enjoy the show and big thanks to um, Melissa for joining me for it. I had a blast chatting with her and the film is fantastic. If you have a chance to, if you have Shudder, there's a good chance you've already seen this already. And if you don't have Shudder, do yourself a favor, sign up for the seven day trial um, and watch this. It's definitely worth the $4.99 a month just for Jacob's wife. So hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. There we go. Looks like you're connected to audio. You can you hear me okay now? Yeah, now it's good. I had to go okay. back. Okay. <laughs> I don't like back out and go back. So that seems to be the cure-all for Zoom issues. Just jump out of the meeting, come back in for some reason. I have no idea why. But cool. Thank you so much for taking out uh, time out of your night to do this. I appreciate it. Oh no problem. Thanks for having me on. Um, I, I gotta ask, how did your podcast start? Because you have the Good Evening Kitties podcast doing a Tales from the Crypt review show. Where, where did that idea come from going back and revisiting all those episodes? Uh, it was about four years ago. And I think I was just looking for something to do and wanting to get more into like actually recording things and editing. Like I started doing a little bit of sound editing and stuff and I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. Um, and like I did it because I used to play, play music more out and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I would, you know, fix all that. And I was looking for something to do. And it was like June of like 2017 or something. And I was like, well, I could know there's some podcast stuff, you know, I like listening to those. And, you know, and, and then I was like, well, I know I love horror things and scary things. And then I was like, well, there's Tales from the Crypt. It doesn't really, I, I looked online and there was like maybe one or two, a couple other podcasts that had really gone through it. And, and a couple of people who wrote articles online about it. But I was like, well, what if I did like a, a not really a super deep dive, but a good, like just chronological review of all the episodes and the movies. And then after a while, so I've been doing that. And then after a while I was like, well, I still want to record horror movies too. So then I started throwing those in just for fun because I like doing those, but uh, yeah. So I'm halfway through season six out of seven seasons. So I'm, I'm wrapping it up slowly, but surely, but yeah. So now, is that something? Years that deep into the process now at this point that you're still interested in Tales from the Crypt or sticking with it at this point or is it uh something that you're that close to the finish line let's just get that get through with that because I have a tough time re revisiting series like that all the way through yeah I always enjoyed the show and there's a some towards the end here that I don't quite remember so it's neat to kind of like jump into these and be like oh yeah and because most people who like Tales from the Crypt, it's like those first couple seasons are so mm -hmm. good, you know, and then towards the end, you're like, eh. and then everyone always like poo-poo's the seventh season because it's in the UK and everything. And I'm like, eh, it's, it'd be fun. I'm going to drink tea, I think, during every episode. <laughs> so it'll be a good time. Um, cool. But yeah, the, the main thing is just like working, um, trying to get through the editing. I'm learning different techniques to make it easier because there's a couple long episodes where I'm like, oh my gosh, as soon as I'm done editing, I just put it out there, like, get it away from me. I don't, yeah. I'm done. Like, it's so the, most I, of my episodes are usually about a half an hour, like 40 minutes. I can't stand the editing part of it at all. Um, that was the thing. I've been doing this for about five or six years, just about the same 
time that you've been doing it. And it's really when I, there's been a lull, it was because I got tired of editing it. Now I've gotten it down to a process where I pretty much, if there's something egregious I need to take down, I take out of it. I just mark it down and that's it. And otherwise I just let it go out how it is. Um, if I remove every um, every pop, everything like that, it just, it becomes so, I, I can't stand listening to my own voice for that long. But then again, I also put out a podcast with my own voice. So it's not, I guess that's not completely honest at the same time. I've definitely gotten better with it after starting the podcast. Now I'm like, yeah, it's my voice, whatever. But yeah, in the beginning, I was like, ew. Um, but yeah, see, I also put audio clips from the show into it. So mm -hmm. I kind of have to go through and find the right place to plug everything. So it does, take, it takes a little longer. And then there are a few phrases that I realize I say a lot that I'm like, I just gotta cut those or cut more of them. The verbal crutches for sure. Um, yeah, yeah I, I find myself doing that also. But you, I, I listened to the pit episode actually, and, oh, I, and yeah. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. And that was Thank one you. that I barely remembered that episode the uh and then listening to that it actually made me want to revisit it and then i realized tales from the crypt is something that's actually not easy to just go out and revisit at this point in time <laughs> like a lot oh. of streamers so it's pretty much it, i was shocked it wasn't on hbo go but i guess it's a rights thing it's all tied up it's yeah it's been ongoing fight for it um and then the show they were going to bring back got canceled which personally i'm fine with that but there's a lot of people who disagree uh but no, I mean, yeah, the best way to do it is just to go buy the series. There's seven okay. disc CD, you know, like um, DVD set, which is what, like I have them here. Right through it. So I just do that. Um, and then like the movies, some of them come in sets, you know, too. There's five movies. So um, I just do it like that. And then there's a couple of nice people on YouTube have, who have some kind of decent transfers onto YouTube. Mm -hmm. So there, if you really want to, if you got to, you can watch those. Um, I recently, the, on the pit, my friend Cindy, who was on there, um, I had sent her a link for from YouTube, and then we ended up watching it again when she came over, because I was like, I realized that was a terrible transfer that I sent you, and I want to make sure you can see it. So, yeah, I'm trying to get this light. No, you're fine. You're absolutely fine. Um, okay. So then, thank you for deciding to talk about Jacob's wife. Was this a movie you were familiar with ahead of this? Something you had been looking yes. forward to? Okay. I follow um, Barbara Crampton on Twitter, so... Got it. Yeah. So then, um, I mean, th this is kind of like for as far as indie horror goes between um, her, Larry and Travis Stevens directing it. It's almost like the Avengers of indie horror films <laughs> where it's just like the, yeah. every everybody would love to see. And, and it's crazy how good she is in this movie. This is probably oh, my yeah. favorite performance of hers today. And it's just she's been getting better throughout the years. You know, if you look at the stuff in the 80s, it was enjoyable. But um, she's really grown as an actress, I'd say, in the last 10 years and come into her own in a way that very few actors get the chance to do. And it's just great to see her taking on a role like this. Yeah, and it's definitely, I mean, she's amazing in it. And it's definitely her movie. I looked and I saw, like, I mean, she is a producer. She's wanted to put mm -hmm. this movie together for a couple of years now, I think, if not more. So, I mean, she's definitely, like, giving her all on this. And you can tell, like, they, they probably had a really good time. I do remember on Twitter seeing a few, like, clips that she put from like behind the scenes, you know, for making this. And you could tell like everyone was just having a good time and she's friends with Larry on there and stuff. And so, so that was really neat. Um, yeah, I do really love Barbara Crampton. Uh, I've liked her since, you know, like Reanimator and all those movies, you know, all that um, that she was in uh, from beyond things like that. Um, I actually, I mean, I know she doesn't need it but I am proud of her. <laughs> like she doesn't need to hear it. But um, these past couple of years with, 
like the lockdowns and things like that. She's had so many movies these past couple of years. I keep noticing more and more projects pop up on her Twitter and I'm just like, okay. Like she's like always going off and doing nothing. She's got something else that just came out. And then she did, um, uh, there was a movie called like Sacrifice that she did like at the yeah. beginning of all this. And yeah, so I mean, it's just, I was like, good for you. Okay. Like, yeah, her and Larry Fessenden, both of them are just constantly turning out films. It would be impossible to keep up with both of their filmography because it's like it seems like they have this is the third film of his I've seen so far this year that I that I've covered. So it's just like he's always doing stuff and she's in the same thing where it's just they're constantly doing interesting work. Um even the ones that are not perfect for me, there's still something that I could see why somebody would want to do it and they're just this film is so performance heavy, which is it's something you don't see in a lot of genre films. Um, so I was wondering what your initial takeaway was of this film. What did you think about it? Um, you went into it, you were excited for it, but then uh, now you've had, you had a chance to see it. What did you think of it? I wasn't quite expecting it to be a slight comedy like it was. I thought it was going to be a little bit more serious. Mm. Um, so for, towards the end, like, especially towards the end, there were a couple of scenes where I was like, oh, well, that's hilarious. And, you know, I don't know if they intended it to be that way, but just the way the, the movie was kind of setting it up, it seemed a little more serious, but then by the end, yeah, it was a little more comical. I liked it. I liked the movie. I thought it was well acted. I thought the plot was fun. Um, I liked, I mean, it was a little like low key on the like, maybe not low key, but the whole men, women, husband, wife relationships and her the like the the boredom of domesticity uh and using vampirism as a liberator for that mm -hmm. was kind of fun um but yeah i, I enjoyed it I had a good time and i love that there was a balance in that that it never takes the typical route that you would expect it to go um because i think we've both seen films where the monster the vampirism whatever it is the thing that happens unleashes this side of a person and it allows them to be free, but it ends up sort of freeing both of them in this, this relationship. So I think they both find so, so, uh, sides of themselves that they maybe weren't aware that had gone dormant um, from when mm -hmm. they first got married and that it wasn't the easy way out. Cause I was expecting it to be, you know, I, and that's just me probably bringing my own personal bias to it. Um, you see the sermon at the beginning of the film, and you're thinking, okay, this film is heading in this one direction. It's called Jacob's Wife. It's sort of this possessive. It's about uh, a woman breaking free of being possessed by, being owned by a man in a sense, but it's really um, both of them being liberated. It's both of their story in a way, but it's obviously the, this is Barbara Crampton's movie for sure, but yeah. I think it is both of them um, are dynamic characters and neither one of them are one note. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's just something that with it going into comedy in that um, it, it had like felt almost it had a Fright Night or Salem's Lot vibe to it um, with the, the in the very end of it. And I actually really appreciated that because it felt like it was not out of left field. This was something that was mirroring their emotional state at the same time if that makes sense, because they were, they, they weren't as burdened by their relationship. They were freer. They were more alive and happier in that sense. And even though the world had gotten a lot darker, um, they had actually found a lot of lightness in that. So I think it was appropriate to have that comedy. Did you find that tonal shift to be off-putting or was that something that you welcomed? I thought it was like a little off-putting, but then when I go back and I think about it, it kind of was building it up 
to being a bit more comedic. Um, there's a couple scenes where like, um, I mean, do we, do I get deep into? Oh, this you can scene? get a spoilery. Okay. Yeah, this is it's it's been out for a while. I'll warn people ahead of time. So yeah, please go go as deep. Well, first of all, I really liked how and like they really set the tone in the first like 20 minutes of how much she is just. I kept waiting for her to just haul off and smack her husband across the face or something. The way he keeps cutting her off. Yeah. And she has to be this nice like minister's wife and just like all like oh yeah whatever. But you can tell she's so bored and everything. And um, what I thought was like when it started to get more comical was you know after everything happened and she started enjoying who she was becoming, even though that she had to do the whole blood thing. You know she was like no eh, it's fine. But then at the one scene where um, Jacob has to clean up the mess in the kitchen and he's so flustered and then he wants to swear but he won't because he's a minister and he's just like this is so effed up you know <laughs> just, uh, that had a good I got a good laugh out of that one so that and like the um the lamp dance in the living mm-hmm. room yeah, yeah that was that was really fun too I, I don't know how old you are but the that's a cover song it's a concrete blonde song um that was from the album bloodletting it's i guess it's kind of a theme album about vampires so i'm 45 okay. that was a big album for the goth kids in uh 1989 so it was kind of i'm surprised that that song and that album doesn't get used more um, that's a good song yeah that i actually uh, i wrote that down in my notes the soundtrack is really fun it is um, it's, a lot of it's by tara bush i think that's mm-hmm. why but yeah i really liked it yeah, that 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 song was as well. That's the cover of Concrete yeah. Blonde, that particular one. Yeah, and it's and the sound design also is really good because it. Um, I don't know how you watch this, but um, the second time I watched it, I had headphones on, and so it was actually I was paying attention to the sound design of it, and it was actually quite good, um, just with the way that it was building tension using um, not only the music but just the actual the sound mixing in it was really strong uh, with your background and sound stuff. Is that something that you noticed or paid attention to with this? I mean, the, the soundtrack definitely stood out to me. It doesn't always happen when I watch a lot of movies, I'll be like, Oh, that's nice. Whatever. Or, or they just use like a, a regular track of a song that you're like, okay. Um, uh, but no, I, I mean, it was enough for me to, to note it down and look up who did it. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, I really, this is nice. It was, you know, um, but, uh, yeah, no, I wasn't a huge like goth kid, so I didn't listen to a lot of stuff. I'm 35. Okay. But um, yeah, it just it, but yeah, I did like it. No, and um the the thing that I think is really interesting about this film is it's not trying to be anything else. Um it's obviously playing with tropes and expectations. Um we have preconceived notions of what the movie would be, and I think that it plays against those ideas but I don't feel like this movie is trying to satisfy one particular audience. Once it gets gory, it gets pretty damn gory. Oh my gosh. Yes, it does. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Cause so far, like up to like a 45 minutes, it was just like <laughs> the most it was, was like, Oh, Barbara Crampton, you're going to cheat on your husband. Like that was the most, that was crazy. And then all of a sudden, um, is, is it Amelia? The, the one vampire in the, mm-hmm. um, the young girl, that was insane. When she, she was pretty fun. And then she just shows up in this warehouse. Um, and then, yeah, that's when things, at one point there was a scene where I even wrote down like she, uh, uh, someone, she just like rips his neck open. The neck splitting was what was intense. And just, um, it was like, uh, it was like they took a can of soda, shook it up and then bit into it. And it psh, that was how the blood was. 
Yeah, it's like there's a slight delay of they move out of the way. I, I can't tell if they were ripping it with the neck or what was happening, but there's that slight half second of they pull away and then there's this explosion of blood afterwards. And like you were saying, it's 45 minutes-ish into the movie, almost. I yeah, mean, it was a little not, while. Yeah, it's, it's a while. So you could, I, I almost felt like this is something that, oh, this is, it's a vampire movie, but it's really just kind of a, a meditation on what a relationship is. This is quiet film. I could watch this with my mother. This is, this is really interesting. <laughs> I did kind of like how, how the vampire part of it was a little more subdued because it, like I said, it, it, it uses it more like a liberator for her life and her getting the courage to do what she needs to do to stand up to her husband. And Jacob in it, like I liked him at some points, but then even towards the end, he still was kind of wanting her to just go back and submit and be the same he had for 30 years. Even right. though they already had like scenes where they were starting to reconnect again, you know, like they they smoke weed, which he wouldn't have done. And in a way, I was like, oh, it's kind of fun. It, it kind of seems like it's helping with her nausea, you mm -hmm. know, like how it would, you know. Um, and they have that frantic sex scene. That was something that I was not expecting either. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, fine. Um, which I feel like that was probably a bit. I mean, I know they're acting and that's the point and, you know, but like, I know they're friends. So like to be like, okay, we're going to shoot this scene. Here we go. You know, <laughs> has to be kind of, kind of uncomfortable, maybe a little bit, but, uh, but no, I mean, I liked that scene too. Even, I mean, it, it seemed like it kind of came out of nowhere for a bit. Um, but I liked that scene because it's kind of like, it kind of brought them back together. Like maybe there was a passion they used to have that they don't have anymore. And that was like a, re you know, they were like, oh yeah, I remember we were crazy, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And it's um and it, and it's playing with that idea of how um not only just reigniting passion but the expectation of that moment that could be violent and I think the sex is mirroring that in a way mm -hmm. in that moment but I I did want to just kind of piggyback off of something you were talking about a second ago um, and the idea of this um, subservience but and it was kind of a nice change of pace that the master that the head vampire was a woman. This time around, that's something that I don't. You don't see Took very often. Took me a often. bit to figure that out. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was played by Bonnie Aarons, who she mm -hmm. was great. I really enjoyed her, um, and I like her in other things. Um, but it was kind of hard to tell because she had like this Nosferatu in a small suit, thin, creeping around. And I wasn't honestly, I wasn't that impressed by her look. I think they could have maybe done a little better. Like her, her outfit was cool, and the hands were cool. But I feel like some of the, the makeup felt like it was kind of coagulated on her face mm. a little. Like I felt like it could have been done maybe a little better. But and then the way they layered her voice, I don't know if it kind of like, it would go in and out. But that was by I think that that was by design. It would be when she was playing something for effect, it would go bigger and it would have the multiple mm -hmm. layers on it at a time. And so there was um, whatever you I can't I don't know if they give a name for it in this particular film, but the kind of enchanting that a vampire is part of the power set and then layering the mm. voice. I, I felt like it was a part of that. Um, and so the, the ability to change the voice in that, it was, it was interesting. And I just a testament to her ability as an actress though, that she was able to act through that makeup and do things with the way that she would take her fangs. It was these two front teeth or rather that she had. Yeah, they were different. And, and she would move them back and forward yeah. on her lips so sometimes it would be an overbite and sometimes it would be an underbite and i don't know if that was just because of the prosthetic but it felt like mm -hmm. it was a choice that she was making to give this like 
real goofy performance through that makeup and it was really kind of um it's the the big bad not being scary at the end at all really there was no intimidating factor from this monster i i actually liked the look of it um it did remind me of the old tv the cbs uh salem's lot movie a lot and that one freaked me out as a kid doesn't freak me out now hasn't held up very well but um, i mean for me it's always that kid outside the window scene that's the main scene that always gives me the creeps for Sailor's yeah. Lot, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I do like Bonnie Aarons. I think she did a good job. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it was too Count Orlock for me <laughs> is why it kind of, but, uh, and then I also thought it was like, it almost made me roll my eyes for like a second, but at the end she was like, um, the master was kind of implying that, you know, like maybe some man like screwed her over or was trying to control her and then she like overthrew him and that's like the whole thing. And I'm like, that's what she does. She's going around just biting women so they can stand up for themselves. Like, I mean, because technically if she bit that that girl, Amelia, maybe it was to stand up to her mother who was an alcoholic. Like maybe, you know, it's like always kind of a thing, which I kind of wish they would have maybe touched a little more on that mom. I don't know if maybe the master killed her. I don't know. Yeah, I, it seems like that that's what was going on. And I think that that's just what she plays into to get control of these women. She's an abuser. She uses their trauma as a way to get in. She can see that. She smells that, and she literally feeds on that. Um, so, I, 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 in the way that I was reading that, and I could be wrong on it, was that that was kind of what she would set that up so that it was their choice to move, and they felt like it was free will, but they were completely being manipulated. And Barbara Crampton's character was just able to see through the bullshit and was choosing a while what was not it's still a work in progress there was definitely more potential in the relationship she was, she was choosing over the one that was being offered there true but uh, yeah uh, i'm sorry though like it it almost seems like there really wasn't much of a consequence whether or not you pick it or not like it's like was there a reversal of being a vampire because she's still technically a vampire in the end even though she didn't go along with the master and the master was killed but then that didn't fix anything like they were intending it to do yeah, and so it didn't she's have. Just like, yep. <laughs> like that's pretty. I mean. Yeah, and I guess you could go to that last frame, and is that? I, I guess that's something of a Rorschach test. Is that the beginning of? Is that the final frame of their relationship, or is that something that is really just kind of how they play around at this point? Yeah, the, the ambiguous ending was something where they, yeah, they're sitting on the couch and he's still kind of trying to rule over her, which is like, yeah. dude, dude, she's a vampire right now. Like, she, she probably doesn't even sleep or I don't know if she does or what, you know, like maybe you shouldn't go to sleep next to her. I feel like the only way it was going to work is if she would have bit him and he would have just came along with her. Because if not, I don't think it was probably going to work, even if they traveled around and saw the world killing people or whatever. I just, I don't know if it was going to work, but then like, like I was saying, it, it really didn't seem like I liked kind of how subdued the vampirism was. It was like, eh, she's a vampire. She kind of likes it. It doesn't seem so bad. She could go out in the sun. I mean, she wore sunglasses. Yeah. Some food made her nauseated. Um, she only threw up a little bit. <laughs> which I was it didn't seem more. like that bad of a life, did it? Compared no, to some other like, movies. It didn't seem like she had to like really alter her life all that much they had garlic in the kitchen and that never came back so garlic i think was fine yeah um she had a bit of like a little bit of like a bloodlust but it was more just like oh, i'm just really hungry and 
you know, nauseated and stuff like that. But yeah, the scene that also got a little weird towards the end was when the brother and sister-in-law walked in on her draining the body <laughs> in the living room, which was kind of macabre. I didn't expect them to lift it up like that. Um, yeah. Because they were trying to, I guess, you know, freeze it and put it in the freezer for later. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And just that scene, because it's like, yeah, what do you do? You walk in and there's literally your your sister-in-law is killing some guy. She's just standing there with a knife like, oh, hey. And I mean, yeah, I guess that's what you do. You just call the cops and just <laughs> the guy who puts a knife to her like he's going to do something. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so hey, if you hear my cat, that's my cat. He's down oh, it's here, fine. So. It's totally fine. Okay, no big uh, deal. But what got weird and like what, what really started making it kind of comical is so when the master shows up and they're in the backyard and the master comes up behind the brother of Larry or well, Jacob yeah. um, comes up behind him and grabs him and rips open his ne neck and it's just like and then he's got the knife and he's trying to stab behind him but he misses every time and like that, that killed me that was physical it was it three stooges physical comedy it was great me. I was like, oh, okay, so maybe this is more of a comedy. Like, that was definitely more, like, just him, like, ah, 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 and every time missing, and then she just drops him, and that's it. The, the, uh, <laughs> there's comedic beats really early on, and I think this is something that if you do revisit the film, if you have a chance to go back and rewatch it, um, they're laying that groundwork pretty early on. It's just our preconceived notions about what this film should and will be are kind of fighting against that in a way and it yeah. takes us a little while as an audience to catch up to the film itself but there's moments pretty early on that are being played pretty broad um now both of them are the two leads are playing it pretty close to the chest but everybody around them that they inter interact with early on in the film they're in a different movie it feels like at times that they would be in almost like this uh Tales from the Crypt campy B-horror film, but then they're very natural in their performances at first, and then they enter the universe and everything kind of starts leveling off to the point at the end where the way that the police wrap it up is just saying, this is more of your domain. You go ahead and wrap this up by tomorrow. I'm like, what a that's fantastic. Yeah, Thank that you. That was pretty good. They're like, we'll just write it down as domestic assault. No, no one got hurt. Like, they didn't know what to do. It was yeah. like, alright. But so, yeah, it, I mean, there are some other parts to like like even like the rats, I thought were a bit comical too. So I mean, I guess I could see that too. Even though like there was some like bad CGI, I think on one scene. Um, but it always does make me laugh when in movies where they'll just have like you can tell they're domestic rats. They're all fat and happy, and they have them sitting somewhere <laughs> you're supposed to be afraid. And I'm like, I'm sure they're very sweet. Um, where but, do you? Uh, yeah. Have you ever? I mean, my only experiencing rats out in the wild really um is in new york city and those rats oh, are, so those are yeah those are size of like a like a chihuahua yeah, they're like the size of my dog charlie like they're that big running around that's what they should have used see that would have been more scary <laughs> but instead of these like small black and white you know dumbo rats that are just like running around uh, which yeah. I think they're easier to work with but i'm not a, i'm not scared of rats so when usually when i see them i'm just like all right that's cool rats Oh, you know, no, no. And, and it goes back to the whole, you know, like vampire war, like, you know, the vampire can turn into a group of rats or turn into fog or, or, or mist or turn into a wolf or, you know, whatever. And then the master makes a, a small little joke, too, in this movie where she just like, she, she just like has the rats for fun. 
like that mm-hmm. was like she said she's just like yeah it's not me it's just i think they're fun <laughs> they're my pets like okay well yeah and she's, she's referring to like all the people that she's manipulating, some of them that she brings them into the fold and they're their own thing. And the other ones, she just, they're just, you know, they're just there for her entertainment. And that's what everybody would be under her, you know, everybody that would call her master. Nobody seems like they're really living a great life underneath her. They're really enjoying them. No, no one's doing a good job of selling, uh, joining the cult at that point. It doesn't seem, it seems like a pretty clear choice to me is this a movie that you would recommend to people then or yeah i would definitely recommend i mean if you like vampire movies barbara crampton you just like you know s- slight dark comedy horror movies yeah it was really entertaining i had a fun time with it it didn't like seem too long or anything like that you know um it just i mean it wasn't exactly what i was expecting just because i don't really i don't usually watch a lot of trailers because half the time they show you the whole movie and i don't feel like yeah it's just a but mostly I what I have been seeing for this movie is just Barbara Crampton walking down an aisle with a serious face and glasses on. So I was like, oh, it's some, she's going to get all serious and just start, start killing people. But I was still pleasantly surprised. I'm glad it didn't go, I mean, it was still gory, but I'm glad it didn't go like that off the wall to where, you know, she's just like running around sleeping in the coffin and, <laughs> you know, cause she could even go from a, a mirror, like you could see her yeah. in a mirror and I noticed so. Um, but yeah, and then the, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, it's funny that that was the read you had from the trailer. And it's just how people can interpret things widely differently. Um, well, I didn't when see I, the trailer. All I saw was like the couple, just that one scene. Oh, okay. Cause when I saw her with the sunglasses walking in the supermarket aisle, asking for the, the meat and asking for just the blood, that was It wasn't in even the trailer. that. Oh, okay. Cause I, I was like, this is- picture. It felt like something to me when I just saw the imagery and that little thing. I'm like, oh, this is kind of like a desperate housewives thing is what I felt like was the vibe I was getting from it, but a horror version of that. And it's okay. All right. This could be something interesting. And so I, I was fully, um, it's, it's funny. I was expecting it to be something along those lines, but then when I, when the movie started presenting itself and I started watching it the first time around, I was actually, I, I, thought I was wrong in my read and that it was something much closer to what you were describing initially. And then it starts revealing that, no, 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 they actually did a good job with that trailer because I think they are without giving away the film, letting you know that this, there's more fun to be had here than you might anticipate. Well, and then at the end of that scene too, at the grocery store, she walks out in a cart with just loose bags of blood, just yeah. walking out to her car, which I thought was kind of funny. Like, cause the, the guy, the butcher guy, she's like, can I just have, like the blood and he's like okay and like she doesn't even cover them up or anything just like two or three loose bags of blood just hopefully it doesn't pop and just go everywhere but yeah so I mean and I was a little bummed that that didn't work out for her because then some vampire were like you can you can drink rats or cats or whatever so the fact that the animal blood didn't work you know I was like oh well, that's kind of a bummer but if you like I don't know I tend to like I keep like comparing it to certain other vampire movies and while the next splitting open reminds me of what we do in the shadows like sure, the, yeah blood goes everywhere they have to lay down the newspaper mm-hmm. uh to collect the blood um it's also like there's other scenes where like at least this isn't like she can go a while without having to eat and she's not going to like break down or whatever right. now, i don't know if she waits too long and she turns into the master or what because i don't know i don't know how old this master is um but at least it's not like near dark where she has to eat like every day or something like that movie was just 
it seemed really stressful. Um, I also noticed that like, because the way that the fangs are in this movie, it mm -hmm. didn't quite line up with the bite mark on her neck. No. Like, it was more like traditional bite mark, you know, with the two spaces. But then mm -hmm. these teeth were like real close together, which I thought was kind of, I was like, okay, well, whatever. Yeah. But then the, the teeth, it, like, it's kind of like the rat teeth, right? Is what that's mirroring. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Where they have then the there's a whole whitening things. scene. <laughs> that seemed dangerous anyway, even if you weren't a vampire. Like as soon as they set her down and put that in front of her, I was like, like I was watching it with um, my boyfriend and I turned to him and I'm like, oh, that's going to be like UV rays. That's not going to be yeah. good. Like, I was, you know, and then they just like lock her in there. 20 minutes, you have that whitening thing on your mouth. That's a long time. So I'm like, that's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there, yeah. there's a lot of people that'll go through pretty uh, extreme circumstances, put themselves through hell just to look good. So I am not one of those people, but um, yeah, I, I'm barely able to change my diet enough to lose that next 10 pounds, let alone like torturing myself with, uh, with I don't know, UV light in my mouth for extended periods of time. Probably won't happen. I mean, so. I can see doing it a little bit, but 20 minutes just seems really, like it's right there in your mouth, just like shooting cancer into your mouth or whatever it's doing. Yeah, so can I just br sure. brush one extra time a day or something <laughs> with that? Would that get me where I need to be? As long as they're not yeah. falling out, I feel okay. As long as I'm not yeah. offending anybody with my breath, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> cool. Well, then, um, so you're going back and like, is this something that you would review on your podcast as well is this something i was actually could... thinking of doing it before we we you know, talked online i already oh, had it like okay. lined up that i was maybe gonna do it for myself and then i was like oh yeah i'll do that maybe i was gonna watch it anyway so you know let's go ahead so um i ended up uh switching and doing blood red sky on my podcast so instead, Got it. which is a different vampire movie but um but yeah i mean the only other thing i really think to like throw in there um, you know, if you, the, the, another scene that like, um, like I thought was interesting was that the master aroused her through a window, like mm -hmm. in, in the house, which I, the scene was like, I was not, I was like, okay. Like I was like, oh, cramping. uh, but, um, the fact that like, cause I, that's when I kind of thought it was more of a ma male. That's usually, mm -hmm. you know, kind of how that goes. And then, so for it to be female, I was like, okay, that's fine. But just like that whole like slow seductive scene, like at first I was like, okay, she, master's making sure she can move her hands. I'm like, kind of like making it copy it. And then to get it to where, you know, she's in front of the window masturbating just for a second. And you're like, oh, okay. And then her husband walks in and then it irritated me the way he treated her with that. I was like, come on, man. She didn't think anyone was home. Like, like don't yell at her just like, leave her alone um though then when I think about it later I was like well she was in front of the window facing the neighborhood so maybe yeah. that's why it was a problem but he always is just like oh what is wrong and then the next day the speech or the sermon in the church was all like husbands watch out for your wives I was like wow everyone in the pews are gonna know what's going on with you guys like he was just so appalled yeah it's um it, it's it felt like Yes, the open window could absolutely have played a part that I didn't catch the first time around in thinking about that. But it felt like this is the kind of character that if, I mean, the church as a whole, for the most part, from my understanding, I'm not really a 
churchgoer. Um, they don't seem like they're big fans of uh, self-pleasure in that way. So it seemed uh, that a priest would, or a minister rather would be bothered by that, especially if that was something in their home together. So that, that seemed um, out of line as far as if I were to walk in and saw my wife doing that, it wouldn't it would just be like, oh, I'm sorry, my bad. Let me close the door. <laughs> you, close you, get, the door. <laughs> you get back to whatever you're doing. My apologies. Yeah. Hey, just lock the door. I, I mean, we have kids. They could walk in. They don't need to see that. <laughs> so um, that, that would be my reaction to it. But him, that felt very appropriate. And I think that that was, um, that's his character arc, though, yeah. is that he was, she was never speaking up for herself. And he was never asking her to. And so he was never, he, he was sort of de facto controlling her in that way because she was never, he was just, she was always just going along with whatever he said. I, I don't think that when they started that maybe he would have been a forceful man, that he would have been patient and kind and understanding. But over yeah. time, the nature of their relationship, the dynamic built into this place where it, she was simply following and he was leading. And so he wasn't used to her having control. And that's really about that power dynamic shifting in their relationship to where he's listening to her and she's learning to speak again. And I, and I think that's really something that all of us can learn in our relationships. Yeah. And I think it also, I mean, it, it helps in the plot that it's a minister and his wife, because it's a little more like you want to put on this persona or this image right. when you're especially a minister's wife. And so, you know, you want to kind of like, everything's fine, you know, kind of thing. And then the, the scene too, where like, she doesn't make his breakfast and he's just like thrown by that. He's like, oh, well, I guess I'll just pick something up. Like he, <laughs> like he's been all these years and it's always ready for him, like bacon uh, and eggs or whatever every morning. And I'm like, do you guys not have cereal? Just, you know, just eat a bowl of cereal. But um, yeah, and she just can't be bothered. Or like when she gets dressed up nice and takes him out to eat. And then you realize she doesn't eat anything and buys him like a steak dinner and then which fine. But I think after a while, like that would be an uncomfortable dinner anyway. Like you're sitting there eating and the other person's not even eating. And it really doesn't even bother Jacob until the end. Like he notices she hasn't eaten and he just tries to get her to take the food home, which is maybe another sign of like, he doesn't really pay any attention to his wife. It's just kind of like, oh, she's dressed all in this red dress and takes me out to dinner. Okay, well, steak's good. I'll just eat that. Well, all right. <laughs> I, I, it doesn't speak well of either one of them. I couldn't imagine being in a relationship with somebody who didn't speak their mind. Mm -hmm. And I would be curious to ask questions. I mean, if I'm going out to dinner, we both have our first bite. It's only polite to ask how their meal is. You do that immediately when you're sitting down to, to eat with each other. But if you've had 30 years of not doing that and not talking yeah. to each other, um, you just don't have that really. I think that there's just a lot of mileage in this relationship. Yeah, because usually after 30 years, you're like, you want to get two things and split and we'll each have a little, like that's, you know, can I try what you're having? Yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. And he, yeah. he, he doesn't even notice. And I also did really like the, the speech later that she gives where she kind of is implying like he's never had to stand up for her or like, do anything in to help her in any way. She's always just been this constant in his life that is just there you, you, and dependable. You, explain, you didn't care for it? I actually, I, I love no, that No, I mean, I, I said, I like it. I really oh, okay. It. Yeah. okay, good. No, I thought that was a really good scene. Just her just being like, I, I can't do this anymore. Like it's, 
should have happened a long time ago. I mean, even from the beginning when she was laying in bed and he's all snoring and rolling on her. And I was like, just grab the pillow and just like, I was waiting for her to do it. You know, it's just, I could, I don't think I could stand being over, like talked over that much. Like no. even just in the 20 minutes was enough to just be like, mm, no, but yeah. yeah. So no, I, mean, I really, really did like the movie. No, so so did I. And I, that that moment, I'm glad you brought that up because that that's kind of the thing. Those moments like that um, are what make this film so rewatchable to me. Um, scares are somewhat fleeting, you know, because it's like a magic trick where something will scare you the first time, um, the second time you might watch it with curiosity of how they pulled off the effect. But really, for me personally. Um, if there's interesting character work, that is what'll get me to go back to genre films. It's when there's something actually, they're saying something interesting. And I feel like this is um, a pretty interesting examination of a relationship at this point in it that's, you know, 30 years in. And I, I like that neither one of these characters are perfect. Neither one of them are righteous. They're both flawed. They're both to blame. And I, I just think it's a pretty powerful story if you're open to it and paying attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also I also appreciate that they didn't have kids. Yeah. I think that helped with it too, because I think she would have been more inclined to stay or, you know, maybe even more just I don't know, maybe her kids would have told her to just leave them. I don't know. But the fact that they didn't have to she didn't have to also be seen as a mother. She was just like herself, this wife, you know, kind of thing. Just Yeah. And it's all those things that we as a society we define women and each other as that will say, you know, you're a mother, you're a wife, those kinds of things. You're a father, you're uh, a husband, the, whatever those things are that are the defining characteristics of that person. And I think that's why this, it's not told in her character's name. It's Jacob's wife. It's that, it's that she is mm -hmm. this thing of another and it's breaking that mold, which is really what the film is about. And I think that's why it's a pretty interesting work here. And something that I, found myself relating to in ways that I wouldn't have expected to. And it's actually a pretty interesting film. So I, I like in what ways? And like when I think back of not overall of in my relationship, but the times when I haven't been listening because I've fallen into patterns when, you know, you end up in 60 hour work weeks for a couple months straight. And instead of taking the time to ask questions, you make assumptions about where the other person's head is and just trying to be a better spouse, being a better husband, being a better partner, um, breaking those habits and breaking those molds and seeing those things in myself when I've done that before. And yeah, being the guy that snores and being that guy that if an audience was looking at me that they would want to put a pillow over my face sometimes, I'm sure. And so just recognizing that yourself, it's hard to look in the mirror sometimes, but I think it's important to do it, especially when it's uncomfortable. Does that make sense? <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah. Okay. Not, not that I would be Jacob. I don't, I don't see myself fully that way, but I think I've had tendencies and I think we all do when we're in long-term relationships that we, um, we, we can go through times where we're not listening as well as we should. And we're not mm -hmm. just asking simple questions and shutting up and listening. So, and especially a dude who has a podcast who clearly just wants to talk all the time. I mean, I can be a nightmare. So yeah, it's, 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 um, I think it's, it's important to be self-aware in that way. And any movie that can make me uncomfortable with myself in that way, I think it's a, it's doing something. So. Yeah. It makes it stick with you. 
For sure. What about you? Did you find yourself where you're like, these people are aliens. I can't understand anything that's going on on the screen. No, I can, I can relate to, to some parts of it, or at least like I enjoyed the whole, just her trying to figure out what she wants to do. Cause it, she's still struggling even towards the, in the end, because yeah. as much as she likes who she is, who she's become, she still loves Jacob. They've been together for a long time, you know, because there's even that scene where like, you know, her, her old flame comes back, you know, from, mm. from high school or whatever. And he's exciting, you know, and he's just like in town for a little bit to help her with a project and then he's leaving. So she could do what she wanted and then just bow out. And, you know, if she wanted to cheat or whatever, and then go back. Um, but um, it's also like, that also kind of brings in all these plans she used to have, which I thought was a little like rude of like when she shows up at the dinner to meet him and right away he's like, it's so great to see you. Remember how you used to want to do things with your life? I can't believe you married that guy that you've been married to for 30 years. Yeah. Do you want to make out? Like, like and she's just like, okay, um, I just got here. Maybe don't make me cry. Um, <laughs> so so I thought I thought it was a little interesting that it didn't go off where it went to in the warehouse where, you know, they, I, I had a feeling they were going to kiss anyway when they got there. I was like, yeah, that's sort of funny. But, um, but yeah, and then immediately when he was the, his name was Tom or something, I guess, Thomas. I believe Tom, yeah. Yeah, when he was killed and then she was like all shocked or whatever, um, as soon as that happened, part of me had a thought we're out because I, I grew up re religious, like I went to church and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but part of me immediately was like, oh, this is her punishment because she is a, a pastor's wife or whatever. And then she did this. And then later when Jacob brings that up saying, this is what you get for what I was like, yeah, that I knew. Yeah, that's what I was I'm like. But, that's exactly how she's going to feel or someone's going to feel. But and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad they called that out, but I'm glad that wasn't what the filmmakers had in mind. Yeah. So yeah. Th it was nice. It was nice to know that wasn't <laughs> the uh, it wasn't a 1980s slasher film where that wasn't the moral of the story in the end was that she was a cheater. Therefore, um, she just had to be a monster. So no, I'm, I'm glad that, that it has yeah. more interesting things on its mind than that. So yeah, that was, uh, it, it could have gone that direction. And I think that it is playing with that idea that that's where we think that it'll head, that it could be going that direction. I'm so glad that it wasn't. So yeah, this is something I, I, I can comfortably recommend to anyone that's comfortable with gore. Um, but doesn't, I mean, I think if they well, listen to your, at least comfortable with blood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say there's so much like, you know, entrails or anything. There's some uh, stuff inside a neck. That's pretty, uh, pretty gross at one point. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. I, I, and that's why I thought of you, um, when I was thinking of this movie was that anybody that is into tales from the crypt, this would probably be a good fit for them uh, um, yeah. because it, it does have that horror comedy, but um, some of those episodes, they were done for just horror sake and that was it. And it was just a gag on gore. Other times it was a morality tale. Other times, it, I mean, they're kind of all over the place. It depends on the director and writer and performers that were doing them. And that was why it was such a interesting show. So I thought that seemed like a natural fit for somebody like you. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely like, there's like probably five or six different types of episodes, I'd say, in for Tales from the Crypt. Uh, you know, there's always like, um, like insurance scam, then there's like the <laughs> adultery. Yeah. And there's usually some sort of voodoo one. There's a couple of those. And then 
there's the like revenge type things and then then you get some weird ones like the the pit the one that i did recently put out was just weird because it's like no one really dies on screen that you know if you don't know what really happens it was more just like these women these two women are f- mad at each other and then they're going to get their comeuppance that's always usually the thing you know but there are a couple episodes too where it also either everyone is terrible in the episode like morality wise or like there's been even a few where like no one is and i'm like well why is that person being punished okay and then there's a few like abracadaver where they're just like we want this to be kind of gross let's put it in well, the morgue what, what was abracadabra i don't remember that's that the one where like, it's, episode it's like two brothers they work they do like tests and things in a morgue and then the one brother brings something back from haiti or whatever because he's trying to uh, like make sure you can die and then come back or whatever okay. and then it ends up like his brother, the, the guy doing the older brother has a heart attack. So then he loses his job in the, as a scientist. So then the younger brother like goes up on the ranks, right? Cause he's doing really good. And then they play like another prank on each other where he f- makes the younger brother as a revenge makes the younger brother think he has a heart attack, but he gives him this drug that he made to where he can still see and hear everything around him even though he thinks he's dead. Okay, so this is sounding like, oh, familiar now, yeah. Yeah, so it's like from his point of view, and they're like carrying his body around, okay. and like hanging him in a in a meat locker, and yeah. um, all this stuff. And then at the end, you find out that like he comes back, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, it was a huge prank." But then he didn't. The brother didn't study enough about it, and so he ends up having a real heart attack and dying. But then he still got. He's actually is dead, but he's still seeing everything. So then you see these surgeons get ready to come in to like cut open his skull. Yeah, and then that's how it ends. And you're like, "Oh, okay." So that was just kind of like ooey gooey all around, you know, um, just to be kind of you know gooey. But then there's other ones where it's just like money stuff and things like that, or a couple of them too, where it's like if they would have just waited five more minutes, everything would have been fine. But they just rushed, and then that's how you know they something bad happens. I mean, that's usually throw well, in some. I'm sorry. But, go ahead. Well, oh, I was gonna say it's HBO, so they always throw in some like you know sexy whatever stuff in it too sometimes that that was yeah that, that was definitely a part of it but it was just um it was the fatal flaw the thing that was it our greed was it our lust it was some sort of desire that we had that um we fall victim to and that's what ends up killing us and at least that's how i remember the show from my 12 year old brain i think when i was watching that show and some of the friday nights yeah, some of the twists and the endings are really good. There's some where like, okay, but then there's a couple that really stick with you and you're just like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, the ventriloquist dummy sticks with a lot of people. Yeah, I um, remember that one. I, yeah. I also remember the one that Arnold Schwarzenegger directed. And mm-hmm. even at that age, when I, I thought pretty much everything that I saw was good, I, even at that age, I was like, that, that's not well made. That, that's pretty bad. So. The twist on that one was a little odd. I think they could have gone a different way like it doesn't quite make sense and that one's that one's called the switch but yeah but the guy slowly swapping his body for a younger man but still having his old brain and then kelly preston's like no i'd rather just whoever has money is who i'd rather be with and I'm like okay kelly well. preston was in that i forgot that okay. yeah yeah she was great in that wow and, and yeah. um yeah and william hickey is the old man Damn. Um, See, I, I, by listening to the pit episode, I was thinking I, I really should go back and rewatch some of these, but I was very disappointed that they uh, 
was on HBO at that time. So <laughs> somebody needs to figure that out because I I have far too many um, Blu-rays and DVDs on the wall that I think if I keep going any further, it's just, it's out of control at this point. So I could probably sneak it in at some point and it would be okay. But uh, as long as it's, has it been released on Blu-ray or is it just on DVD? I'm not sure about the Blu-ray. I've only mostly seen it just at DVDs. So okay. um, I'm not sure yet if they've done that. But yeah, I would be, I'm would. i definitely all for them putting it on a streaming service, HBO, HBO Max, something like that would be cool. Um, but that's another reason why like, I put audio clips and things like that in it because I kind of walk through the episode chronologically. It's like, if you haven't seen the episode, you're not quite sure, here's a clip of what they said, you know, or whatever. So I'll put a couple of things like that in there. And then I kind of, at the end of each episode, I'll add like my favorite pun from the episode because from the crib keeper. So yeah. Throw that in there and stuff like that. So even uh, when yeah. the episodes got bad, I mean, there was always the crib keeper you could count on. That was always yes. the best actor in most episodes. So he was always. He tends to get phenomenal. more and more crazy as the seasons go by. I think by the end, yeah. John Cassier was just like, whatever goes, just. And then they had a lot more. Um, like better quality on the puppet so they could do mm-hmm. a lot more with the facial expressions so they were just like let's just get crazy and then he'd start having guests in the crypt and things like that so awesome well thank you so much for taking time out of your night to do this i really oh, yeah, appreciate no it and uh yeah I, I just um i'll put this up shortly i'll have this up uh, i think next week so um thank you for taking the time to do this and um thank where would me. be the it's Good Evening Kitties podcast, um, pretty much wherever podcasts you can find them. And where can people follow you on Twitter or uh, yeah. where's the best place to follow you? So it's, you know, like you said, the, the Good Evening, the Good Evening Kitties podcast. Um, and you can find it yeah, pretty much anywhere. Um, my website board is more like on Podbean is usually where I, I put it up on. Uh, but I have a Facebook page under the same name and then there's a Twitter handle, which I'm probably on a bit more. So if you really want to follow on Twitter, it would be Gek Podcast or at G-E-K Podcast. So that would be where you want to check that out. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time, Melissa. I appreciate it. And You're I welcome. hope you have a good night. You too. Thank you. Oh, and uh, that that account that you have, just so you're aware, and I'll take this little bit out of it. Um, they will occasionally just drop stuff in there. So check it because it will okay. like they'll just put screeners in there now because um, they just start. There'll be ones where they just mass release them and they'll just put it out to everybody. So check Sweet. it every once in a while because there'll, there'll be stuff in there for sure. Cool. Sounds good. All right. Cool. Take care. All Have right. a good night. You too. Bye bye. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck. Give me hope
Voice Crack.